Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSum solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then, through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once-a-year town hall or a company-wide email to share what causes the org supported last year. GiveSome allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company, and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm Collisions YYC. Welcome to my two guests this morning, April Hickey and Marissa McNeelans. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, that, was, that was very good. That was very unison. I am <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Thank you both for coming on. We're going to jump right into it. April, I don't even remember how we went. We met, but Calgary conspires or Western Canada expires, even though we've got one of you uh, in central Canada. So Marissa's in Toronto and April is in Calgary. Which I love getting. Mm-hmm. I even we're going to talk a little bit because I love getting the, the the perspective of Toronto and you being there for the year. So we'll play we'll play in that a little bit as well. And uh, I I do think it's easy to stay inside our little echo chamber, but it's really good to broaden out our perspectives. And uh, Canada's mm-hmm. a big country, and we get a little divided. I think sometimes unnecessarily, but we'll we'll see we'll see where that conversation. You uh, April, you are the co-founder and chief growth officer, and Marissa, you are the founder and CEO at Toast. So let's not waste any time. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into the old pitch elevator. And we've already decided that Marissa is going to ride with me in the pitch elevator. What is a toast? What are you guys all about? What do you do? What problem do you solve in the world? And what gets you excited about it? Yeah. So really, toast was created kind of uh, as the perfect marriage of my experience working in tech. So I started my career within talent acquisition and transitioned into product management in tech about seven years ago. Um, As I got deeper into uh, AI, data, um, deeper into tech and further up the career ladder, I noticed fewer and fewer women around me. Um, And being, you know, one of the only women on a team uh, comes with a lot of Uh, a lot of different challenges. Um, And so really, I started to seek community outside of my employer. That's where I met April as part of Young Women in Business Calgary, the board that we were both on. And uh, eventually, we kind of decided to to make this leap and, um, you know, really start opening doors for other women in tech and and really committing to increasing gender diversity. And so the name Toast comes from kind of our, our original idea to uh, toast your nine to five goodbye, uh, <laughs> nice. you know, raising a glass of champagne, taking on flexible contract work, kind of being able to work your own hours, set your own wages and um, having a bit more flexibility in your life. Um, that has kind of transitioned in the last 
almost a year that Toast has um, been around. And um, we now are committed to uh, finding women the work they want, uh, getting them the pay they deserve, and having a community uh, that supports them. So that means working with a lot of mission impact-based companies that are committed to increasing gender diversity within their technical teams. Uh, Not exactly just tech companies, but any tech function. So uh, we have uh, helped companies with roles, everything from, you know, contract front end developers to permanent placements of CEOs. Um, we kind of do the entire spectrum, but companies will come to us looking for um, a, a more di- gender diverse talent pool. And um, we work with both our membership and our candidate pool to fulfill that for them. That was a very, very effective elevator ride. I really, I appreciate it. <laughs> and I also have a vision of the two of you toasting, literally, okay, it's toast and we're doing it. And that moment, I think, April, you told me about it. Did you guys not weekend retreat, the two of you and some brainstorming and probably a couple glasses of champagne? I, I, that felt there was some real, some realism <laughs> in that story. <laughs> well, I mean, Marissa had been noodling this idea for months and then, you know, we got to, a, I walked away from my job last summer and we sat down together and I, and we were like marissa's like do you want to do this with me should we make should we should we take a run at it and see if we can build this thing and and uh build it we did (laughs) amazing marissa something you said on i want to pull on a thread here uh, many threads but the one specifically about as you got into tech as a female and as you started to work your way up it became less and less balanced and a little bit more male dominant is that less so in the more entry level and the getting into the role and that is it very much a trend as, as it becomes more senior or is it prevalent across the board or are you guys really addressing sounded like more of a senior gap, even though it exists everywhere. So I'm not trying to minimize one. I just really want to understand the dichotomy mm-hmm. of those two angles. Yeah, I think it totally depends on the organization okay. and really the work that they've done and the intentionality that they've had. So what we are finding is that um, companies that are earlier stage you know, have been founded within the last five years or so, have been getting more pressure from VCs to have a more gender diverse Mm -hmm. um, workforce. And really what that looks like usually within a traditional organization is that you have a very gender diverse uh, frontline employees in those entry-level positions. And then as you increase, that dwindles off a bit. Um, However, in more technical roles, if we're looking for, you know, software developers, machine learning engineers, um, we're still seeing that in those entry-level roles as well, that they're um there is still that imbalance um i will say the last role i held um i was on the greater team of 50 one woman that included the, the entire uh engineering team the entire design team leadership everyone i was the single one okay. um and so <laughs> you know um a, a lot of making powerpoints and planning parties was was happening uh, there, but um, okay. Well, yeah, it, it uh, okay. does really depend. Oh, on I want to pull on, on that company. thread. Not only was yeah. there one woman, it sounded like the tasks that you were being given to do were also minimized to a certain extent. Is did I pull that? Did mm-hmm. I hear that correctly? Oh yes, for sure. Oh, that's Definitely. super. That's super lame. Uh, <laughs> okay, and so this is clearly then a consequence of beliefs and values and the way that individuals view the world, not 
oh man, it's, you know, it's really hard to find people with 10 years of experience that are female that are in these <clears> roles because 10 <throat> years ago, women didn't choose to get into these roles because of whatever stereotypes or that they weren't presented in that way. I'm just trying to understand the balance between like, no, this is a mindset that's not allowing us to change versus just the fact that we're on a journey. And as more and more women gain greater experience, just trying to balance the two, which I, I know there's a little bit of all of it. So it isn't a black or white kind of answer. Mm -hmm. So when you guys deal with organizations and let me get clear, you're you're helping move and understand the hearts and minds around why this is important, but you're also playing yes. a role of providing candidates and helping them find the right individuals, right? So are you a search firm? We we are. Yes. Okay. Well, you we, we you look way cooler firm. than most search yes. firms. That's why you threw you throw me off. <laughs> you threw me off. We try not to admit that. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I saw you both hesitate, but I'm like, I want my audience and myself to go, okay, well, what is it actually? But you're doing this yeah. under the guise of no, 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 this is also a movement that we believe is important beyond the fact and this is how we believe we can help solve it is by getting you these individuals. Yes? Mm -hmm. And tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I'll make statements just to see if I'm if I'm picking up correctly. <laughs> Is no, it? that is it. And okay. I also feel maybe it's not the, the beliefs and the, I think, mindset, yes. But okay. I also think there's a lot of unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think we we kind of approach this issue a lot as if people know that they're doing it or doing it intentionally and no, not hiring that. women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think, and, you know, hiring leaders, recruiters go through a ton of unconscious bias training. Um, and so what we are fighting to do is just, you know, almost remove that that bias altogether. And so when we <clears> present <throat> the profile of a candidate, um, we remove the name of previous employers because we see a lot of foreign work experience. Uh, so instead, we would describe it as a, a product led uh, SaaS tech company of a certain size. Uh, we remove name of school because that introduces socioeconomic bias. Uh, we get a little more fuzzy on years of experience. Uh, we're really treading the line with that one. Um, because date. there, yeah, date. But because yeah. there okay. is no uh, direct correlation between um, someone's years of experience and how they perform in a role. I love all of that. How much work is involved on your side to help just shift the paradigm? Even, okay, I'm an individual. Let's take gender, let's take it all. I, there's a certain format when I go, show me your resume example. And I go to probably chat GPT mm -hmm. or I go to Google, or I go wherever I go now these days in the multiple spots. It gives me that formula. And that's been very much, well, where did you, where, where, where did you go to school? Which you write fits into that. How long did you work at a certain place? And oftentimes you'll just put the name of a place, not even like taking that time to say, well, what, what did you actually do there? What value did you exactly. create? I'm assuming there's a mm -hmm. ton of coaching for individuals take, you know, the, the DEI filter out of it, of just thinking about their roles in those different ways. That feels like itself is a whole new learning. Like that, that's a job unto itself. <laughs> You're, yeah, both, you're, both, you're, both, you're both nodding and smiling. So, okay, I'm, I'm clearly yeah. I'm starting to grasp the concept again. <laughs> I, I think it comes down to impact as well. And Marissa often, mm. I, I love when Marissa talks about how much we hate that everything you've done in your entire life has to be condensed down to one little piece of paper that kind of, you know, can't yeah. accurately depict everything you've ever done or the impact you've had. But I think having tangible data and impact is what is most important when presenting a candidate. <clears throat> I, I, I love the word impact. So from I, from a perspective of what you guys do in the world, that's how open are the companies you work with to being coached by you of how they even process data? Because I've got a stack of 
500 candidates on my desk, I'm going to default. You're right. My subconscious biases, I'm not even aware. That's why they're, that's why it's called shadow. That's why it's called bias. You don't know you have them, right? And you're going through and you're filtering, well, that name's uncomfortable for me to say. So I'm going to push that one off. Or this went to a school that I don't recognize. I pushed that one off. That's kind of how we've done it. And we've built algorithms that hopefully allow us not to do it. But yet those algorithms that, that filter those resumes were also created by people with biases. <laughs> like it's a, it's a, yeah. it feels like a big lift. Yeah. And I mean, recruiters definitely seem to be a little more open-minded. Okay. Um, a lot of the recruiters that we talk to are, will say things so like, oh, you're speaking my language. This is something that I like. Mm-hmm. I find with hiring managers within the organizations themselves carry a lot of unconscious bias as we all do. I definitely do. You do. We all do. And so I think, you know, um, we have had to have a lot of conversations where we're nudging forward and saying, okay, but this is bias or this could introduce bias. And, and I think that, you know, the way that we we present profiles and candidates in a way where we're just trying to level the playing field for women. We we present all the information that you would need to make a decision on whether you want to interview a candidate or not at that point while trying to remove all of that that could introduce bias. And is there a couple of obviously <clears throat> companies that have this as their mandate and they're motivated to make these decisions. Is this also being helped by the skilled labor cap that we all seem to be suffering from? Like I need to be more open-minded because I can't find good people. I'm struggling. Like I'm always looking at opportunities that are kind of happening. And how do we use that reality to then move this agenda forward? And I'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> because I, everyone I talk to is like, oh my God, I can't find good people. I can't find good people. Yet, if you're filtering out a third of those people because of a bias you don't even realize you have, you're actually hurting yourself. You don't realize it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, applicant tracking systems as well. Like we we hear both sides of it, right? Okay. So we talk to companies that are like, women just aren't applying for roles. And yet we're sitting on mm. thousands of super great qualified women who are like getting auto decline emails left, right, and center. And so there's there's a lot of bias that already exists because, you know, we have these systems yeah. that were built for a particular persona and everything that you're going to create, all your systems, all your machine learning is going to be filtering based on what has worked in the past. And so we're like, let, let's just get like a foot in the door. Let's okay. just, you know, you come to us. 100% your profile is going to be seen by someone and it is going to be what you worked on, the results of that, the impact you made and how you've applied the skills that are needed in previous roles. Do you find it's easier to create a little bit of foot in the door with some smaller to medium sized organizations? Because large organizations, they can't help themselves. They have so much scale mm-hmm. and so much volume. They try to automate and sometimes screw themselves in the process. I'll be blunt. With mid, more mid-sized or maybe even more senior roles, are you finding more traction because you can get a real person on the other end to talk to you? Like Just understanding where we all want the big companies, but they are notoriously challenging because of the systems they've built to try to be faster and better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, what I said in the beginning was like, we now are seeing VCs putting pressure Mm. on, you know, these startups to be like, like, why don't you have 50% women on your board? You know, why is your entire team all white men? Um, (laughs) And so they're asking those questions and they're going, what do I do? Like, where do I go? And so we're, we're kind of there to work with them through that. Whereas if you go to a large organization, they're, they don't admit that they have a problem. You know, it's all about optics. It's like, well, 
you know, we just need to go, go, go. And they don't look at it as a business problem either. They say Mm -hmm. women aren't applying. And so I'm just going to, going to hire the man or I'm just going to hire, you know, I I love it. And my audience can't see it, but I love how you're throwing up your hands. And I think that's a lot of what goes on. Like that's a, that's a great symbol for clearly it's not me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. What Marissa said there. No, that's okay. I'm just going to add to what Marissa said there about large organizations. So, with organizations that are public, um, we are seeing those ESG targets that are rolling out around gender mm. diversity, and so organizations are looking at that, which is great. And I'm happy to say that you know maybe large organizations that have to report on gender diversity are looking at hiring more now. At that time, I would like to understand what they're doing to retain women. So, there's a huge retention women for women in this industry as well. So we have this retention problem where I saw a statistic at the Sheiky conference that said 50%, 57% of women who are mid-level in their careers in STEM um, are looking to leave. And so it's really great that these big organizations are going to try and hit their targets and say, well, we hired this many women this year, whereas we're also leaning into what are you doing to retain them? Are we going to put them in that position where Marissa was, where they're the lonely only? Are they going to stay if they're only one woman of 50? They're probably not going to stay then. So it's, you know, we're, like you said, I like that you talked about changing the hearts and minds of people. We're trying to scale deep so that not only these women are going into these roles, but what are you doing to retain them and make sure that they can be successful, be promoted, um, and have these flexible work options that want them to stay. I love, I was just about to quote Cheeky because I've had Kylie on and, when she, and we talked around that number quite a bit on the show. So I love that you, as like, this is a perfect place to introduce and you nailed it. You've like, you rolled that stat out right, right away. Um, are you seeing any differences geographically? And this is where I'm going to pull on the weird, you know, central Canada, as some people in Calgary refer to it as Eastern Canada, but it's not really Eastern. There's another 14 hours to go before you get to Eastern Canada. Do you see any differences in companies in Toronto versus Calgary? And I'm just picking two cities for the, for, for the fun of this conversation. <laughs> is there any dynamics or once you get up to a certain size it's pretty similar but maybe smaller the culture is different uh, any any anything we can celebrate here or is, or is it messed up in both places <laughs> no i would say that i'm like how do, how do i say this right um <laughs> just say it I just say it that's the best part Toronto it's a podcast just is say a harder market to mm. break into okay um mm-hmm. and i think that is just because it's so large um yeah. When you look at Calgary, it's like, you know, just in like the infancy stage of, you know, where mm-hmm. it can go and how it's growing. And it's great that we're like in there at the beginning with the the few players that there already are. And we can kind of grow with that. Yeah, Toronto's like already at the other end of that. And they're now, you know, throwing layoffs at everyone. Um, I think it's, it's different from that perspective. Like, yeah. how do you get into that? It's not just like breaking in with you know, a few people in the ecosystem and going from there. Um, But also it's, it's different in that big banking exists out here. Totally. And um, everyone wants to work for banks. (laughs) Um, So it's our model of being like, you know, work these contract roles or like working for, you know, more mission impact based, uh, companies or working for this like more mature startup, um, the talent itself is also a little wary about that. 
Mm. I do appreciate we're just in different cycles for sure. And, and, yeah, and yeah. Toronto is a much, doing business in Toronto is very different than doing business. Calgary is a one introduction and a handshake away from potential. I That's know. not Toronto. It's my friend calls it the Winston guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll call you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. And you get the, the Toronto special he used to call it. Like that went really well, but I think I just got brushed off. Like, but in Calgary, like, no, we don't need you, but let me introduce you to someone that I think you can. And I'll do that intro and you're good. I, I, I think that is one of our superpowers here. And I like to camp out on that very much. Yeah. I grew up in Montreal. and yeah, they, Yes, like, it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a wall <laughs> there. And once you're in, you're in, but when you're not in, you are. And I've heard from people, a lot of new Canadians actually, where they're like, oh yeah, Calgary is really inclusive. Once you're included, there still is a wall to get in. And I do appreciate that. Once you're in it, you're like, it's like the joke when you say to the fish, oh, the water's cold today. And they're like, what do you mean water? What? It's just my world. It's just where I, it was just what I, what I, what I live in. But yeah. uh, there is a big difference b- b- between the two. Um, talk to me a little bit about your business. You both went all in on this. You're building, it's a startup. You have two female founders. Has that been an advantage or a disadvantage at all for the two of you being female founders starting this thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, advantage because <clears throat> Marissa said it perfect one day. I I was complaining about something someone had said to me. And I said, no one would ever say this to me if I was a male founder. And she said, yeah, but I probably wouldn't be this successful if we were male founders. Oh, nice comeback. Okay. All right. So talk, so talk to me about that. Have you been able to take advantage of that? And I say that in a very positive way. When you're a startup, every advantage is, is you will take it. Uh, yeah, un- unfair I mean, advantages are what you look for. Has that worked in your favor? I think that obviously we bring a different lens. We're obvious. We've, we have uh, a really strong skill set, each of us that are very different and bringing it together, I think has been just rocket fuel for us to be able to get to where we are right now um, because because we are so different. So as co-founders, I think that we've really been able to lean into each of our different skill sets. Um, we also, both of us have expansive networks, which has really helped us in, in building this specifically in Calgary. Calgary has been really great at opening their arms and wrapping their arms around us as an ecosystem. But unfortunately in Calgary, this ecosystem is still very male driven. It really is. Um, and so, yeah, we've faced barriers. We've had a lot of, you know, unsolicited advice on how to run our business and and how to do it better and how to grow it and and you know people coming up to us and being like, oh, you know, what about this? Have you thought about this? Of course, we've thought about that. Or I had someone once ask me if I ever did a competitive market analysis or if I knew what that was. <laughs> and uh, you know, just just some things that I think women founders face that that like i mentioned earlier if i was a male i don't think anyone would have asked me those things it's so interesting from a male's perspective I'm like that seems so silly why would you i, I, I again i i always seek to understand mm-hmm. and, and, and and get it and i really appreciate you guys being honest about your experience what's how you what's it was if you want someone told me this once if you want if you want money ask for advice but if you want advice ask for money i don't that, yeah. that, i know that's not what we're talking about but we will talk about funding a little bit in a second oh, that, that. I, I really appreciated that one <laughs> every once in a while that comes up i'm like oh that's what's happening right here right now i'm like i asked for this and i'm getting that instead oh okay interesting <laughs> um how long how, what's your runway when did you guys what, what you said last summer when did you both say we're all in on this thing so july is like uh, our incorporation anniversary. Okay, it's so your official one year anniversary. I, I get no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. It's foggy. I think April came on board. 
August, September Mm -hmm. of last year. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we kind of went out to the world in October. Um, Oh, wow. Super new, like in the world of, 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 of building something. That's awesome. Yeah. And so we, I mean, as, Typical women, what we do is wait. Is there such thing as a typical woman? Is there a typical? I don't know a lot of women. I wouldn't call it, I would never call any of them typical. I'd get a smack and I deserve it. Mm. But I mean, the way women approach, you know, a little more thoughtful, a little less reckless, a little more shoot from the, yeah. There are, there are some stereotypes that I don't think are wrong. Like, let's be, let's be honest. And so, We'll point more like, at guys we on were, that one. I can accomplish anything. We'll do with bravado based on nothing sometimes. Exactly. So okay. we were waiting. Yeah. Okay. We were like, you know, let's let's wait until we kind of have everything. And um, I actually met one of my my role models, Allie K. Miller, at a conference. And I'd kind of been in touch with her to be like, can I talk to you about this idea I have? Um, and... I, yeah, she took 30 minutes with me at the Elevate conference last year. And I was like, this is toast. And I kept being like, but we don't have anything. Like, we don't have a website yet. It's not done. And she was like, she literally shook me and was like, be confident in this idea. Just like, do it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just do it. And I think, like, the way home or like the next day, April and I were on the phone. We're like, we're just going to do this. We didn't have a website. We like went out with a type form wait list and just like some great Instagram ads. And within six weeks, we had over 2,000 women on our wait list, like behind the mission. Didn't even know, like, the women didn't even know what they were <laughs> waitlisting for at that point. They were just like bought into like our mission and what we stood for. And so that was really Which cool. as a marketer, I love, and I talk <clears throat> to clients all the time about this. And we, you know, we look at their company and their competitors and their category, but we look at culture and they're, they immediately mm-hmm. want to talk about their culture. I said, no, no, let's talk about what's happening culturally and how mm-hmm. can you somehow dovetail into that? Because none of us are big enough to create a cultural movement, but there's all these movements mm-hmm. going on if there's one that resonates and is true for us and you can associate with it, that can be rocket fuel. I love that you said rocket yeah. fuel earlier. That can absolutely be rocket fuel. And this is a movement whose time has come is long overdue and it's been coming and building. So I love that you guys were able to kind of merge in with something that was happening in a way that landed for you and clearly resonated with the potential audience out there. That's yeah, and that's how you get that lift. For right? everyone. Yes, for but that's sure. okay. And, and that's like okay said, to not be for not anyone. We're not for everyone. We don't want to be for everyone, <laughs> and uh, that's okay. We found our audience. We found our niche. And to be frank, I think we refer to them as toasters often. But we have a really strong backing, and the women that are following what we're doing, and our and and the men, we do have men cheering us on as well. And the I hope so. I hope so. Ones. I'm going to be yeah. on that list. I'm like yeah. to, to not as ridiculous. And, you know, they're, <laughs> they're all in, and so for the you know for the others that may not be, and we're not for everyone. And honestly, anyone that doesn't want to get on board with gender equity, I don't really want them near me. <laughs> <laughs> To be willing to be loved, you have to be willing to be disliked. I like to say hated, that's an aggressive word, but like so many times you try to be, oh no, we're going to try to like peel to everybody. That is death as a brand. Just forget that. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. And if you have to get a, yeah. if you get a, if you get a large enough portion of society, they can really like really skyrocket you. That's awesome. But if you don't start with taking a stand for something, which would be willing to piss somebody else off, you're not yeah. even, you're not even playing the game. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. care what, I don't care what, yeah. what space you play in. Um, funding bootstrapped early pre-seed fam, friends and family. And again, you can be as detailed or, or as vague as you want. Okay. You, just, you did it. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're both, yeah, <laughs> look at both your face. Yeah, bootstrapping okay. through this. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Um, when you first started 
okay, we're bootstrapping, we're doing this, we're taking our own hard-earned dollars. Who was your first market? Was it, sounds like it was the women who believed that this was needed and a good idea. But when you're do, playing the middle like this, kind of that, almost that marketplace, but you have a lot of stakeholders. How did you manage that mm-hmm. journey of really like, okay, well, great, we've got these 2,000 individuals that are behind us. Okay, what are we going to do with them? And how do we add value? And how do we show them that we're actually like, like we're here to help? Okay, what with what? It, sooner or later, somebody asked what? How did that evolve? And you know, which problem did you really try to solve first when it came to product market fit for the different segments you guys have to deal with stakeholders? Mm-hmm. I would say... I mean, really, our plan was like, let's get the membership going, let's grow that. And then in six months, you know, we'll start going out to companies with our membership base. Um, But I will say we got our first uh, client before we launched our membership. Um, So we kind of went out in October, had our wait list, got our first client in November. I think by December, we had like, five or so clients and launched our membership in January. And so really that whole, we were kind of like, we need to have a membership offering or, or a membership base in order to go to clients and, and get buy-in. And we really found the opposite. Uh, clients okay. and companies were like throwing themselves at us and being like, we want a partner, we need this. And so that just came instantly. Um, and so really what's taken a bit more effort is, you know, getting, getting the membership in and, and pulling, pulling these things out of, uh, you know, the women who are in tech roles who, you know, might be a bit more comfortable or might, might be a bit more uncomfortable getting out there and networking and, um, applying for these roles that might seem senior to them, but, um, really we're, we're still working on that that membership side in terms of product market fit and then just trying to weed out like through our vetting process like who who do we want to work with who do we want to put our name behind yeah. from a com- from who, a company perspective yeah yeah, yeah. and who is actually committed to who's checking diversity. a box and who's actually creating change exactly right? and who's yeah. being performative yeah, yeah. Who, who's using Absolutely. you as a flag <laughs> exactly yeah but look look we have toasts aren't we aren't we so so woke and cool over here again i'm being very yeah. facetious with no, those statements but true. i get it yeah and the bigger the corporation sometimes the higher that risk who who have you found in, from your sweet spot in terms of size like is it do you base it on headcount do you base it on revenue like what would be the hmm. ideal size of company that you get both that perfect? Yeah. They have the right mindset and they're also the right size. Like just the numbers. I'm liking like the mid level. Hey, Maris, I'm liking mid size, like maybe smaller, small to mid size businesses seem mm. to really want to get deep and have deep conversations with us and, and truly understand what they can do, how they can build it. But I, I like the point that you made earlier around the pressure they feel from VCs as well. And I, I think that that pressure is real. They feel it. But also, I think more and more organizations are understanding that diverse teams do perform better. I was just going to say, money. they, solve, yeah, they like, solve problems with a more, yes. with a high, with a fervor and yes. a different, you, you need more perspectives because the problems are all bigger than they've ever been, right? Mm-hmm. And diversity I'm, of thought. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, the one, I will the, also yeah. say something that has shocked us oh, nice. or yeah. shocked myself is I, I really don't think there's like a particular company that is our target anymore because yeah. we have these companies that have come to us that are like working in like male dominated fields and industries. And I hear their name and I'm like, 
no way would we work with them. But then you talk and then we them. meet with their technical teams and they are like ready with their DEI stats. They're like 50% of our workforce is women. We, you yeah. know, 50% of them are women <clears throat> of color. Like, and they are like ready to go and super in it and super dedicated. And that, like, that has honestly been shocking to me is like the types of companies that are dedicated to this versus the types of companies that, you know, are, are like, yeah, let's put an announcement out and then never hear from you. So again. what you're saying is your own biases have been tested, Marissa. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Which I love that. Sure. I love Absolutely. any day I can be like, oh shit, I was totally wrong. Wow, I didn't see that coming. Like that's a good day in my world. Because if it makes people uncomfortable, that's because I know I'm learning something. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, the, that's really cool. I really appreciate you, share, you sharing that. That's cool. Sorry, go ahead, April. Hmm. No, that's okay. I was going to say the same thing we found with our target audience. We created personas before you know we launched, and we thought these would be our supporters or these would be personas our personas are tricky. And, personas are tricky. Just, <laughs> yeah, and just you know, really constantly iterating, obviously with our membership and and with what we're providing. But it's been interesting to see who's stood alongside us and who you know we've been pissing off along the way. <laughs> who, without naming names, or you can name this is a name name podcast. Who, no. who have you picked? No, I know. She's like, no, 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 don't even, not even Tyler. Um, who did you, who, have, who's, who did you piss off that you didn't think you would? And you, and again, I'm not asking for naming names, but. I don't know if it's so much pissing off, but. but <laughs> you got me on that word. We, I love pissing somebody off. Yeah. I mean, when we're disrupting yeah. systems, anyone who benefits from the system that we are then trying to disrupt is obviously going to feel threatened, right? Yeah. And so yeah. uh, that's something that we constantly, especially working in this DNI space, something that we have to think about whenever, you know, I, I've had these conversations where I, where I sit back and I think, why is that person ha- saying these things to me? But it's because we threaten a system fear, in which fear. they benefit yeah, from. Fear. Absolutely. Ugh, change management, like so many, you know, I'm involved, we're involved yeah. with one of our large clients and we're in the middle of a big digital transformation. And it, it hit that two key stakeholder groups weren't consulted through the process. And I was like, and I'm like, mm. oh, we're living now right at the intersection of why these types of things fail because humans and the same, I'm not, you know, same thing applied in this environment. And they just didn't talk until all of a sudden it became real. And now, oh my God, who did this? And who was the idiot that didn't talk to us? And I'm like, oh, wow. Like we, everyone saw this coming six months ago, but nobody cared enough to look at it until it like really started to threaten people and the way they've always done yeah. it. And that's what really happened. Yep. But I've done it this way for 20 years. Oh, but this is a new yeah. way. Whoa, no, no, no. I don't, I'm not interested in new. I'm interested. I'm busy. No, busy. I don't have time to learn new. I just want to do what I've always done. And it stopped well, in its tracks. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the key to change management, of course, is getting buy-in and understanding yeah and and i mean understanding that what's in it for me is not always easy to sell as much as we can stand you know in our soapbox and and preach yeah. about diverse teams how they perform better that it's that balance for for some certain groups where okay maybe we have a more diverse team maybe it performs better maybe it ma- makes more money but at the same time i'm not benefiting from this system anymore then so i don't want to support this is it just they're not the right clients yet when you're in those situations like talking about <clears throat> you know you've got limited resources as as a startup 
come to us, you know, again, how much do you, you know, years ago, I said to my business partner, we need to stop trying to sell marketing to companies that don't believe in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go and find yeah, the companies that believe in marketing, never. but they might yes. come to try to me after COVID, yes. there's a whole bunch of industrial sector companies that believe in marketing that didn't believe in it in 2019. But in 2022, when all of a sudden no trade shows and no golf games and no lunches, like, oh man, and the website that was built by the CEO's son isn't performing for us. We're in trouble. And, yeah. but in 2019, they didn't want to talk to us, but in 2022, they did. So I, using just my own, like, loose comparison there. <laughs> I mean, I believe I'm a huge believer that people can change. I've seen people make drastic changes in their lives. However, at the same time, I do think that there are some people, organizations and, you know, cultures that likely are not going to buy in and that's okay. And one of my favorite parts of you know, being a part of this and launching Toast has been the ability we've had to turn down clients that were like, actually, no, we would never place a woman in your organization. And we don't want to work with you. We had one company come to us twice, each of us once and ask to partner and we turned them down and it was happy days for us. (laughs) That's so empowering though, to know, to know enough about who you are and what you stand for. And there's the old joke, yeah. you're so much more defined by what you say no to than what you say. Like we, we all have yes-itis, right? Oh, yes, I'll do it. Yes, 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 especially as a startup. Mm-hmm. But to be able to say no because you were clear enough on what it was or what it wasn't, that congratulations on that. Like That's just, I think, should be celebrated always. I'm terrible at saying no. I'm getting much mm-hmm. better after years of, years of practice. But it comes from knowing where your center is, right? <laughs> and where that, where that pole is actually like, nope, this is what we stand on. We're not going over there because that's just not us. Even though we might need the revenue, we might need to... Like in a startup, there's lots of needs and there's, there's lots of wants too, but the needs tend to bully you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, do you guys, and this is, I'm just thinking of a conversation I had recently and, um, making changes association, the women, the women's organization and their uh, empowering women in tech program. I just did a phenomenal, I'm telling, this is my blame. Like go listen to their podcast because two of the individuals on there named every senior tech leader, CIO in Calgary that was behind this movement. And they literally listed the who's who of the Calgary tech scene. And it was the CIO from Altagas and the uh, Tanya was the director at Accenture for Calgary. So two very senior and they went down and literally named all of the people that they meet with outside that are 100% trying to now move this idea of hiring more women in tech throughout their organizations and not just have it stop as a leadership initiative. So go listen. I think it might be a little bit of your, of, 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 a, of, of a call list for you guys. <laughs> That's my blatant plug. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, where have I just had a <laughs> conversation you. like this? And what I was, and some of them were some very well-known names for the, like it was all well-known companies, but more importantly, what they shared about, which I really appreciated. They're like, it's great, Tyler, that we decided this was important for organizations, but we're at that unique leadership role that if we don't change the biases and change the beliefs of the rest of our team all the way down to that person screening resumes, it's just going to look like a hollow leadership initiative. And I appreciated how honest they were just about the problems in their organizations of pulling it through. Question, question for both of you. You're coming up on your one year anniversary, July, but October, this is still super new. Uh, top three lessons learned, top three, where we're headed next. Like, How would you kind of summarize where we've been so far? And more importantly, uh, what are the next big milestones you guys have got laid out? Oh man, someone recently asked me this at a networking event too, and it just threw me off in terms of like, what was the biggest lesson you've learned? I was like, so much every day. The ones that were maybe the most, yeah, biggest and top three, and those put a lot of pressure. What are some of the lessons that just come to mind when you really think about it? You would love to tell yourself a year ago. I think it's probably like an umbrella thing um, for me, and that is like starting starting off small listening to the market and being open to pivot um and i I mean that's exactly what we did and that's exactly what we continue to do um we've 
you know, we started off with, with just a wait list. We launched our membership um, without the full, you know, set of, of features. And we've been listening to our members. We've been listening to our clients and adapting from there. Um, the reason why we've been able to bootstrap is because we put revenues first. Um, we went out into the market hoping to, you know, bring revenue in so that we can build out something mm-hmm. a, a bit more robust. Um, but if we had spent money up front, built something out, and then taken it to market, I don't think I would have been able to sleep that night. Just like <laughs> <laughs> the risk that comes with that. But we're constantly listening and adapting. And I think from like a founder and, and personal level, I think something that we've had a lot of conversations about and learned is really protecting our time as well. And just, you know, as we, especially I think when you're working in that DNI space, people are happy to give us stages and microphones and, and let us share our story all the time. But it's also really important to, for us to remember, you know, what it, where are we going to have the greatest impact? What is the ROI? We don't want to burn out, which like any Anyone working in a DNI space has a high, high the, the DNI space, anyone professional in that space has a high percentage of burnout. Um, and so, you know, really protecting our time, I think, and knowing that we can't be everything to everyone. We know what our audience is. We create the space that we can for the people that really matter to us and for the clients and stakeholders that we have. Um, but it's been a learning curve because even right off the bat, of course, we were like, okay, we're going to be everywhere. This is amazing. And I think it was after International Women's Day, which is a whole other rant that Marissa and I could go on to. Um, but after International Women's Day, you know, we got to a place where we were like, we can't be everywhere for everyone all the time. Um, and I think that's been, as a founder, a really um, great lesson for us to learn. And I think we've gotten a lot better at ensuring that we're really investing our time strategically where we go. I really appreciate you. your success. The rapid growth has come from being at the right place at the right time with a cultural movement. But that also can create the burnout. I really appreciate you petitioned like, oh, it's great. We'll do say yes to everything. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. you have no time family, life, everything yep. that allows you to be a functioning human goes away because you got sucked into the vortex of all those opportunities. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. And understanding who, where you're coming from and what to say yes to and what to say no to at the early days, that's, it's easy to say. It's maybe hard, maybe hard to do. Mm-hmm. Advice you would give to an organization, so not talk about the candidate side, we'll go back to the organization side and they're like, hey, we want to do better. We want to be aware. We want to know our blind spots. We want a process to help understand our biases. Maybe we were aware of some of them. Maybe if it's true bias, if it's true, if it's a true bias, you don't really know what it is. It's just buried in there. What advice would you give? And what's some of the coaching consulting side of the conversations? I'm quite assuming you find yourselves in on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. What can we take away? What can I take away? Selfishly. I, I would say April and I probably are going to have very different answers. Cool. To even better. Probably even better. Give you a bit of a idea um i would say number one is like get the data um the data is totally going to tell that story um you know you have clients that just don't know where to start or don't know if they have a problem or what the solution needs to be and and we also can't really help until we have that data and and truly understand where the gaps are like any good process, a, a good healthy discovery of what you're yeah. actually saying. Do you find it's more beneficial when companies come at, 
from it from this is kind of an away from towards conversation i want to move away from a problem we have or i want to be to move towards the diversity of thought and the dynamics that it's going to change by 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 shifting the way our organization is staffed and teamed up do you find there's a balance or is it more our society tends to respond more when there's something on fire than when it's like yeah. oh but look at how much better it could be which do you find is it a blend or is it usually getting away from a problem away from the problem okay. for sure um I also think that, I, I mean, I, I think most places that that's just really how, how business runs. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we spend our life so, putting out yeah. fires. You're absolutely yeah, exactly. You're right. yeah. Yeah. I just I had time to be strategic and think about the future. I would, but I have no time. <laughs> to, to, to yeah. Okay. I still think where we are on our journey, just like as a society in, in this, it's like there's some sort of other pressure that is causing organizations to want to do this okay but mm -hmm. either one of those is great it still gets Honestly, us moving in a bit of better direction which i appreciate that you have a problem we have had conversations with clients who are like we don't we don't have a <laughs> oh, problem <yeah. laughs> you know and then i like go on their website and i'm like Oh, everyone in your C-suite is a man, but we don't have a diversity problem. I was talking to a, a woman uh, who works in senior tech. Uh, Kara Wolf is her name, really powerful character. She said, listen, if you stand up in front of me as a business leader and tell me you don't have an IT security problem, I'm just going to tell you you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you know, I don't care if you're trying to fade face and tell your board and your shareholders you've got it all covered. I'm kind of hearing a similar thing of like, I guarantee you don't have it all covered, mm -hmm. Mr. Mm -hmm. or Mrs. CEO who's standing up there making a statement. And I just, it resonated with me in the don't let ignorance set you up for, for failure because <laughs> you think well, everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's the thing with biases and, and, and unconscious bias. So, I mean, I guess my advice would be to to try and understand and be open-minded and understand what your unconscious bias are because we all carry them. Yeah. Truthfully, Tyler, I took that. There's a, a Harvard unconscious bias test you can take on their website. Oh, it cool. Is, check it out. It's, check it out. Yeah, it's it's very shameful. I took it oh, myself. Okay. <laughs> and then and then you you know, I I will openly admit I took the test. Um, I got my results and it me of all people standing here on my soapbox screaming about, you know, equality even in the household and the bias my my quiz results came back that I had a bias tying women to housework and men to work outside the home. And I was like, "Really? I didn't even realize that I had that." And so, um, you know, recognizing that and seeing how it shows up in the hiring processes, how you elevate other voices at work, um, and, and just really how you're networking, who you've got around you, the way that you look at things. I think unconscious bias is such a big piece of us of us being able to drive change. And that unconscious, unconscious bias piece kind of falls into that strategy. Oh, if I just had time to sit back and think about it, but I just don't take the time because I'm too busy running from task to task or, or thing to thing. Yeah. I, 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 thanks for the vulnerability even of just like, hey, I did it. Did you, when you did the test, did you try to do it? Like, it's like those personality profiling, all the ones we've all done over the years. Do you try to game it or did you just answer raw? Like this you is what came up answering. You don't have time to. Oh, it's it, like that. It they gets you to okay. flash things on the screen and you have to like touch either oh, side. Okay, I am so, so going to check it. this out after. I'm going to probably really be shameful. Good. I feel shameful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, did you, I, have you uh, gone back and redone it, or have you? I'm just curious because I'm always like, did I get better? Did I improve? Did I change? <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't. I, I I recognized where all my unconscious biases okay. were, and then I'm moving to work on them because I think that that's that's really the best that we can do is just even understanding what we hold in our day to day. 
When you say work on them, is that simply just bringing things to a level of awareness? Do you challenge people around you to catch you saying things? Like, I'm always interested to like, how do we actually make it real? And so many people are like, give me like, I'm just, maybe I hang out with too many engineers sometimes in the clients we work with, like, give us exactly how it's going to work. Do you, do you encourage engaging outside people, trusted people in your life? to help you with that? Because so much of our words let, let us down, right? Or, they, or they, they, show our, they show our biases and we don't even hear them. What did you do to kind of help yourself there? I mean, I'm, I'm heavily invested in um, growth and, nice. and myself. And I think- I'm Marissa getting that, I'm getting that impression. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think that that's honestly why we work really well as founders too, because we want to have open, honest conversations and we want to show up better. Not only obviously for our business, but for ourselves, for each as other, human for beings, our community, as for humans. our spouses. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so um, I think you need a level of that, of a self-awareness. Um, in my own personal experience, everyone needs a psychologist as well. And we need someone to hold up that mirror to us sometimes. Um, But I think in order to drive systemic change or or really sustainable change in your own lives and in the way that we show up, you have to have those outside conversations. I have to be able to have conversations with Marissa where I'm like, hey, did I show up okay? Did I not? And and I think we do a good job of of doing that for each other to be like, hey, listen, I think you should have, you know, shown up in this way, or maybe you could have done this better. And I think being open to that feedback and not being defensive when it comes to you as well is going to be really important in, again, recognizing those biases and driving change that can actually be sustained. Do you think that's also something that women are better at than men? We're speaking very, yes. very broad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Uh, no question. I don't even have, yes. So many of my closest friends are very successful, powerful women that I, we have just drawn out, like, what about this? And how did this happen? And like, I love those conversations because we get way deeper. I had, my mom mm-hmm. was like that, so I think I came by it honestly. But a lot of my guy friends, and even myself with my guy friends, I'll be more resistant to that. But with my female mm-hmm. friends, I have way deeper, com- meaningful conversations where we get into the messy bits. And that's where real and growth happens. I love that. So thanks for being at the I kind of asked yeah. the feeling. I was asking a risky question. You're like, no, no. I think that's well documented, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. And that's something, I mean, we have to push forward for men yeah. as well. That's, again, systemic. And yeah. as a mom of two boys, I am often looking at ways to encourage vulnerable conversations, identify emotions, which is something that seems so simple. But for men who were, you know, for years and years, taught to kind of suppress oh, a lot sure. of that Absolutely. and not have those conversations. Yeah. So women definitely are are more likely to lean into vulnerable vulnerability. My dad's playbook did not have a vulnerability section to be super no. clear. And that's no offense. No one ever taught him that. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Like most men, yeah. like if, if no yes. one's teaching you. And I think that's also like, it, it comes from April and I, but I think people see that in the events that we have and the Mm. themes that we have within our events, like, you know, talking about actionable allyship, um, bringing men into the conversation. Our International Women's Day events were 25% men that were in attendance, which is huge for an International Women's Day. Yeah, I'm uh, like, that event. seems like a positive. It should be more, but <laughs> no. at the same time, it's better than not. That's a, that feels like a win to me. And then there were like zero to two. Okay, okay. In the audience. Okay. So, yes. Um, we have these conversations and we want to make space to include allies and like ensure women feel comfortable talking about their experiences because that doesn't happen when you're the lonely only on a Mm -hmm. technical team and so we need to make space for everyone to have these conversations and like be open about like 
how your experiences in your life, like how that shows up at work and, and how that contributes to the biases that you bring. And that's mm-hmm. not like, you know, this whole like cancel culture, like if you say yeah, something yeah, yeah. wrong, you know, we're going to cancel you or like, you know, we don't like white men. It, it's really like that's unhealthy for all parties we, involved. Yeah, it I, is. Yeah, but instead, like, <clears throat> let's have conversations about this. Let's acknowledge and appreciate the experiences that everyone brings to the table and how that might impact things. And I think when unconscious bias or when bias comes into play is when you're not acknowledging those things or you know you're going through the motions but you're not really aware of it or you're sweeping it under the table but if we can have open honest Mm -hmm. conversations about how this impacts other people or how this impacts how you see the world just that open dialogue that's all that's all we need world peace nobel prize Have you seen a shift in some of the organizations that you worked with that were quote unquote, the right partners for the right reasons, six months, eight months later in your business, are you getting that feedback of like, wow, not only did we believe this was going to make things a lot better, it is tangibly making things better. I'm, I'm assuming that's got to be like a big part of the reward cycle. <laughs> April's rolling up her nose. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's true. But if it's not, because if you look at back to the mission that you're on, to me, that would be one of the metrics of like, these are organizations that go, oh shit, this is actually way, but like we got benefits here we didn't even realize. Like we started off mm-hmm. to get these three, but we got six. And the surprise yeah. benefits of diversity of thought and where that comes from. Maybe it's just early or maybe I'm just being trying to early. see this very silver lining here. Measure that. Okay, I was gonna, I know. I was gonna say, I, I'm rolling up, I scrunched my nose because I was, I was thinking of, you know, some of the organizations that wanted to partner with us, but haven't made any tangible steps or taken uh, okay, any steps right. to actually drive Talk change. Talk is cheap, so, everybody. Talk is cheap. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see it on, on uh, both ends, you know, organizations that are open and honest. And I actually had a conversation, a great one with a, a new client yesterday and they were like, okay, so what else can we do? How else can you help us? Like what other things can we do? So it's also been really great to see, um, like Marissa said, organizations that maybe are biased would have carried us or thought made us think well there's yeah. no way these these people actually want to do any changes in their organizations but seem to be incredibly excited about the future i, I love that i love this i love being surprised so i love i'd love that one i'm in an executive group i'm in tech and tech has a notoriously male dominated problem but my tech chair was a female and she was phenomenally and she's a great individual great human being We've now added three other women to our group. So it's still 10 men and three women, but the dynamic has changed so significantly. So I was asking that question in a bit of a self-serving way because I've seen more emotion come into the room. We do a lot of issue processing. The questions getting asked are different. The issues are gets broken apart in a more complex, more full, more complete way. And the individual and the human part of it, it's not just like, well, well we're going to look at the spreadsheet and if the balance says, sheet says this, you fire 20 people. It versus like, well, let's talk about it. how does it make you feel and what's holding you back as a, as, a, as just a human on a decision journey as a leader and having those more women in the group. But we had trouble. We have one. No one wanted to join because they didn't be want to be the only the lonely only. And we had a huge we were all like, we want to do this, but we had trouble getting that. But once we got it going, the momentum is moving in a different direction. And it's had a really positive impact in our group dynamic in a few months, in six months. Love that. Mm. I love that. And and we've all talked about it like, wow, this is different. And we all love it. It's all better. And everyone was very open to it and just fortunate enough to be able to kind of live it and observe it in in that context. But anyways, just I was asking a question leading my own experience. But if you haven't seen that yet, let's hope that it moves in that direction, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, time will tell. 
It does. It does. It does. It does. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we could dive down a few a few more rabbit holes, but I really in, in, enjoy one your the two of you your passion. I, I really see the dynamic of the power duo with the two of you <laughs> coming in very different, but both with that similar knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your mission is, and being able to connect into a cultural movement where you're actually able to create impact, but then simultaneously being able to create a business around it. There's a lot of impact businesses that unfortunately the financial model doesn't hold together. And that's mm-hmm. where your VCs go, great, I love your mission and your purpose, but are you guys going to make any money here? Or like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're moving in a good direction there. So when it comes to the next year to two years, what's, uh, what, are the, what are the big ones? You gave me the lessons learned a little bit, but what, what can we expect to see from Toast? Yeah, I think there's a, a few fronts here. Um, one, we are moving towards being more of a tech-enabled company. Yeah, cool. um, and, and so that's hopefully something we can uh, get done by fall. Um, beyond that, like we really want to position ourselves in the marketplace to be that, that stamp of approval Mm. that, you know, women come to, to say, is this a place that I want to work? I think we're in, you know, you talked earlier about the, the, the skill gap and companies really, you know, struggling to find good talent. And I think that's because talent is taking a step back and, and looking to work at, companies that align with their values and that are going to be great places to work um and so we want to be kind of that that stamp of approval where women come to and they know that if toast backs the company that that is a great place to work very cool i appreciate april any uh anything on your on, on your horizon list Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think we're, you know, leaning into the community and ecosystem partners that already exist and that that align with our mission, vision and values, which is really great. Um, But I think we we have really just wanted to get really good at what we're already really good at um, and and keep that keep that um, line of vision in front of us. Knowing what knowing what you're the best at, and then doing that thing, yeah, kudos. Yeah, that's a lesson we can all take, no matter where you are in your career and in, mm-hmm. in, 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 in your journey. I want to get a hold of you. I want to learn more. Try Toast.ca. Seems pretty. You got I, it. I love. It. I, love I, I do like your branding. April and I talked about this when we first met. You guys, didn't cheap out. It's great. I'm a marketer. <laughs> I love it. It stands for something. It's not obvious right away what it is, so you make me a bit curious. And then when I kind of find out, I I, lo- I really love it. So I'm a, I'm a, I will toast your 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 branding and your identity. If someone wants to get a hold of each of you, what's your preferred? Because there's a million ways to communicate. What what do you like? Is it LinkedIn? Is it email? Is it smoke signals? Carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad joke. It's very smoky in Calgary today. So I that was inappropriate. Following, joke. Yeah. yeah. Following our Instagram and LinkedIn is also really important. So we yeah, often awesome. update when we have events, where we're going to be, uh, membership promos when we have discount codes coming out. I think we have a free trial going on right now. So things of the sort, you can follow us on uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. And I don't know about Marissa. Often I'm like, don't call and don't write. But if you're going to, <laughs> if you're going to, LinkedIn is a good place okay, to add enough. me. I know so many, so many communications to keep up with. I get it. Oh, I've got, yeah. I, just, I just followed you guys on uh, LinkedIn and on Instagram. So I'm on top of it. So, Amazing. Yeah, no, and yeah, it. trytoast.ca. We do have a, a free trial going on. So anyone can take advantage of a seven day free trial, but we'll also offer um, an extended 30 day free trial of our membership to anyone who listens to this podcast. You can use the promo code first 
free. Nice. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, I love a little problem. Yeah. For rewarding the individuals that hung on and listened to the whole story and <laughs> exactly. stayed to the end. <laughs> Gotta get to the end. Absolutely. To get the Easter egg. I love it. Very good. Thank you both for coming on. Thanks for your time. Thanks for what you're doing. Love the story. And uh, let's, let's stay connected. I love that. Thank you. Cool. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Tyler. Thanks, Tyler.